three in and out. And Gasol with the rebound. That's going to do it. Officially, Pascal is going to finish with nine rebounds, 24 points, nine rebounds. Gasol with 10 points in 10 rebounds. And the Toronto Raptors come away with a nine-point win. They're now three and one on the season. The Magic one and two in Toronto. And the 95 rewind take you back with the W. Wherever you are, whatever you're doing, thanks for listening. This is Free Association. I'm J.D. Bunkus, Donovan Bennett, showing up in the studio with some pants, some serious pants on you today, sir. As opposed to when I showed up without pants? Well, I mean, these are a particular type of pant. I How would you even describe these? These are like some type of jogger, but they're fancy joggers. They have like a Gucci type design here. Should I be getting pants like this? No, you shouldn't. Where does one even purchase pants like this? Like, I go to a lot of stores. I do a lot of shopping. I, For those of you watching on YouTube, you get a little glance of it. Maybe it gives a little shot of uh, the situation. Th- I don't think they will. The podcast listeners, you can watch us on YouTube now if that's uh, your preferred destination. But, like, look at these pants. You came in here today. I'm very curious of a lot of things going on with you. Is that okay? Before we talk hoops? Sure. I'm, I hope people scrub past this, but go ahead. Number one, you came in here with a bag that is weighty to say the least. Like our producer, Amo, who's a big, strong guy. Like, Amo, how tall are you? Six, four, six, three, six. Oh, okay. Six, three for those of you that didn't hear him say six, one. And he took a hold of your bag. Guy works out. He's a big dude. And it almost bent him. Like it almost bent him in a way that he would have walked around for the rest of his life looking like someone with scoliosis. And Donovan Bennett, what's in the bag? What is in that bag? Uh, my computer was. No, in that's bag. here. That's there. That's okay. We've now accounted for 0.001 of the weight. It was when I walked in. Okay. Some groceries. Okay. Uh, Now we're talking. Some things I need in terms of errands I need to run. Nothing interesting. Oh, that sounds interesting. You said some things I need from errands I run. Do you want me to break down the uninteresting airing <laughs> no. and make this? Um, no, I like the mystery now. Now I'm not moving weight. If that's what you're referring okay, to, it's, I mean, here's what I pictured: jars of pickles. Hell no! It I just hate, looks like jars and jars of pickles. I hate like, pickles. You hate pickles? Disgusting. Last point of business. I'm sick today. Great. I'm gonna try not to get Wrap you sick. This up. Yeah, I'm, I want to get home and have my chicken noodle soup. I just want you to know that I think I'm sick because my co-host on Good Show Ben Ennis has a baby. There's babies. He's got little children and they're just these monsters for diseases. Are you as a very, very healthy person, someone who is extremely body conscious, worried at all about your child now basically shattering all hopes you ever have of being a a, a healthy human? I don't think they're monsters for diseases. I don't think (laughs) his children have malaria. I'm not worried about that. I'm worried about how long has this been going, Torquia? Yeah. Three minutes. I'm worried about these are the most uninteresting three minutes. People in know we deliver. Podcasting. People know we deliver. We got the good, good. But if I'm not interested in the conversation that we're having and I'm sitting here, who in their right mind is going to be interested in hearing about the weight of my bag and Ben Ennis's <laughs> kids' ailments? I am. It's me. It's my selfish time. Uh, okay, we'll move. We'll move on. The Raptors. They uh, 
it's their 25th anniversary. So today on the show, we're going to talk a little bit about um, the Raptors 25 piece that came up on sportsnet.ca that you participated in. I didn't get my say, so I'm going to work as an editor on this piece. What do you mean you didn't get your say? I wasn't part of the Raptors in 25 piece. Like you didn't? I didn't have a vote. You weren't asked or you no, just I, didn't get a vote? No, I wasn't asked unless I missed the email. I wasn't, I don't think I was, I was on that chain. I did not get asked for my input on Raptors in 25. Maybe Sonics in 25, I'll get on, but uh, I did not get the, the Raptors memorandum. So we will talk about that. My gripes are rationally loved Toronto Raptor, a guy that maybe we would put a few spots higher that we acknowledge maybe shouldn't be. But first, overwhelmingly, positive start to the season what would you even say has disappointed you to this point has anything they lost to boston game they could have won yep offensive rebounding or defensive rebounding is bad Uh, i mean life is all about expectations so i suppose i'm not disappointed because my expectations weren't all that high is that fair to say like i think they we know what they are because we've seen all the rotation pieces on this team for the better part of two, three years are just getting, in some cases, more opportunity and in other cases, more experience. So I, I, there's nothing I'm, I've been disappointed in. I mean, maybe Nick Nurse's use of challenges or lack thereof, his inability to get a challenge that's correct, but there is no disappointment for me. I think the, the bigger question, which we can get into later, is what's success like what's a positive year what's a negative year what is the most realistic scenario and then what's the worst case scenario and best case scenario because I think it fluctuates drastically but it's been a good start I really haven't been disappointed by anything at all the Celtics game kind of sucked just from the standpoint of it really felt like they could pull that one out but I think this is a good checkpoint to just do some early season impressions and I'm going to start with OG and Anobi because coming into the season, you're right. There was a lot of, we know what this team is, but also they did lose Kawhi Leonard. They lost Danny Green. They lost two starters. They lost, you know, an MVP, a finals MVP. I think it was a pretty fair question to see how OG was going to deal with the added minutes and how Pascal Siakam was going to deal with the added offensive responsibility. And so far, I think you can kind of hit the two check marks there. Like we'll talk about turnovers in a second, but OG and Anobi has proven that he's this team stopper. Like his last two games, he's got six blocks and six steals. And I look at that Orlando Magic game, for example, where he defended everybody that the Magic could throw at him, essentially. He started the game on Aaron Gordon. Aaron Gordon's not really having a lot of success against him. They need him up against Evan Fournier. No problem. He'll strip Evan Fournier. They need him up against DJ Augustine. No problem. He'll defend DJ Augustine. I think that OG Ananobi... I don't know if you feel the same way. To me, he's just a very deceptive player in that he kind of walks and holds himself in a way that he doesn't look his full size. Like he kind of hunches over a little bit. The way that he runs is not like he doesn't look like a beautiful runner. You're not going to confuse him with Andre DeGrasse, but he's fast. He's quick. He's got really good instincts. I think he kind of fools people a little bit. I think he kind of fools people when they come to the basket, how strong he is and along he is when he elevates and stretches out and blocks you like the block that he had against Thad young already in this year, where it was like, Holy crap, how many guys are, are making that play and making it look that effortless. And I think it takes a huge weight off of Pascal Siakam, not having to be their one, a defender 
and also letting kind of everybody else on that Raptors team do what they really do well, which is they're all above average help defenders. Fred Van Vliet's an above average help defender. Marcus Saul's an above average help defender. Kyle Lowry does that same thing. And that if this is OG Ananobi, if he is this impressive guy who can go out and defend the other team's best player every night, I think that the Raptors already have their core identity, which is something that was tied to last year, which is that they can be a top five defense in the NBA. They can, because unlike most teams in most lineups, there isn't one guy where we say, oh, that's the matchup. Ice over there, clear the side, go to work. We're going to eat on that guy until they adjust, till they help or overhelp, or until they sub him out of the game and someone comes to the scores table. I think just based off of pedigree alone, you thought Thomas might be that guy. And it's a very small sample size, but he acquitted himself well. Uh, They played a little bit of zone when he was in the game, which I did not think was a coincidence. But I think that is their overall defensive value is that everyone, for the most part, can defend. And in fact, you have OG who can be the guy who worries about the headache on the opposition every night, and then everyone else can just zone in on dominating their personal matchup. So when it comes to early impressions, have you had one that has really kind of just stuck out to you about this team? So they've gone on some long stretches where they've struggled to get a bucket. Uh, They went 325 and 630 without a field goal versus Boston. Um, And to make that even worse, they were getting killed on the glass. So not only were they not hitting shots, but they were just one and done offensively, um, and they were struggled to, struggling to do the same thing defensively. I know Nurse is a bit of a mad scientist with his roster combinations and trying things out. At times they've looked disjointed, and at times they've looked like they've had great familiarity, which you'd expect from a team that's coming back from winning a championship. I would love for that second unit, which for the most part is the one that has had the long stretches without buckets to have its own identity. Cause when people are listening to this, they're thinking, well, what second unit? Who's the second unit? Serge doesn't start. Norm comes off the bench and he actually out of everyone is the person who looks the most at times unsure. I want the bench mob again, a new bench mob. Maybe it is some Lowry with the bench minutes, but I would love a second unit that had its own identity. And is that a little bit more difficult if you're shuttling in different starters in the first unit? Yes. But after seeing three games, I'm not sure how often that's going to be the case because Nick Nurse doesn't really trust that many guys. But I would love to see a separate unit, now that McCaw is healthy, that similar to a couple years ago, they knew they were going to start the second quarter together. They may end the third quarter together that would be able to build the same chemistry and understanding that the starters have. Like, are we talking about like a wholesale change here? Cause I think you'd have to have a Kyle plus the bench situation. Like bench mob was their own five guys, but they just don't have, when you talked about not being able to get a bucket, that's one thing. The Raptors Siakam has been great. And I love the volume in which he's shooting threes. He's like, he's over 40%. You're seeing him take shots from above the break. You're seeing him have his usual spectacular ability to get to the basket and finish. Kyle Lowry's been red hot. Norm Powell, I think, has been a positive so far in the year. But overall, like they don't have a bunch of guys that can go out and get a bucket. And in a second unit, I would just worry, like, 
Is it centered around norm? Who's getting you those looks? Who's knocking down those shots? Because the Stanley Johnsons and the Rondé Hollis Jeffersons, I don't know how much spacing or what kind of offense those guys are providing you. Well, I don't know if they're in the unit, to be honest. <laughs> like, so full disclosure, we're taping this on Tuesday. So in the Monday night game, they played some extensive minutes with Kyle plus the bench. And, and I would say it should be a Kyle plus the bench because even in the heyday of the bench mob, Kyle plus the bench was arguably their best lineup. Yep. They played a lineup of Lowry, Powell, McCaw, Boucher, and Ibaka. Uh, that was pretty interesting to me. Is Boucher going to get that many nights every night? No. Could it potentially be instead of Boucher, am I here for some Matt Thomas, who's giving you some spacing in that lineup the same way CJ Miles gave to the bench mob? Sure, I'm here for that. But I think, I, I think we we're agreeing and disagreeing at the same time. Your point is, well, who in that lineup is going out and just getting you a bucket? The bench mob, none of those guys could. They got buckets by moving the ball, by by cutting, by understanding where they were going to be. And they got buckets by getting stops and getting out and running. In the first unit, I mean, Kyle has shot the ball well to start the year. And Pascal has shown another level to his game. But they often get baskets not on the first or even second action but the third on the weak side by swinging by extra passing and swinging twice after you get into the lane they get buckets often because of the basketball iq of the group and the understanding and i think the second group could benefit from the same i'm just throwing it out there no listen i would say that one of my early impressions has been i've been relatively surprised that nick nurse has not gone deeper into the bench and with more regularity, that there has been no, I don't know, seemingly rhyme or reason as to who is playing what night and, and how many minutes they're going to get. Like Matt Thomas plays really well against the Bulls and he gives you some threes and he actually digs in on defense and you assume like this guy's going to play against Orlando and then he doesn't see the floor. You think, okay. And then Boucher gets minutes out of nowhere. Right. Boucher all of a sudden is getting minutes ahead of Rondé Hollis Jefferson, who I get is coming off of an injury, but I think it's pretty clear Hollis Jefferson is the better player and has more of a track record at this point. Like he played pretty well for a Nets team last season that made the playoffs. You went out and got him because of, I think the, the pedigree of that player and the idea that the ceiling can be a bit higher. True. He also was not happy with him after the preseason. Right. And theoretically, if we are looking at the potential ceilings of the player, Boucher's ceiling could just be playing in the NBA for a while. And I think Boucher's older here. too. Than Rondé? I think Rondé is 24 years old and I think Boucher is 25. But either way, it's just one of those things where I think what is happening, it's not any level of disappointment. Like, yeah, sure. Do I wish I could see a few more Matt Thomas minutes? Yeah, whatever. They're three and one. They're winning ball games. Like, and you've seen him against the Bulls. Do I think that, you know, I'm curious as to see how Pat McCaw fills up this lineup or when they'll find that next kind of gear of who those guys are that fall in behind the starters? Sure. But as of right now, I know the Raptors have a tight seven. Like they've got seven good players that all work well together and that know their roles, that share the basketball, that all play defense, and they buy in a certain way. And I think what I like about what Nick Nurse is doing to start the season is it feels like NFL training camp. Like there are jobs to be won. Go out there and do your job. Fill in, fit your role, or you're out. And I think that places that have good culture, like I believe the Raptors do, they can do this and that it 
it helps them get the most out of players. Like those guys are demanding that you play good defense. Those guys are buying are, are saying that you need to buy into what Nick Nurse is selling you. Because if you're not doing it, then like they don't really need you here. I think we talked about this before, but Nurse, when he did the call out of Jefferson and, and Stanley Johnson that you just referenced. The guys that have been here that know the identity, it's also nope. got Rondé nope. Stanley. Nope. Those guys those guys have those guys uh sorry, I don't I don't want to cut you off, but those guys have not understood uh A how hard we play. B, our schemes, uh, that defense is a priority for them, et cetera. I, I, I got, we got some work to do with all that crew. I, you know, come Tuesday night, there's a couple spots there open if somebody wants them. And I keep telling you that, show me you're going to play defense. Show me you're going to play hard. Show me you understand our coverage. Just show me how, and then I don't, whatever you do at the other end, you're going to get opportunities just because who you're on the floor with. And they'll come to you. You don't have to come down and, Occupy your 95% of your mind with how you're going to break down and get your next shot. It's not going to get you on the floor right now. Before that, I think Fred Van Vliet said it where he said, guys need to know how we do things here. Like we do differently here. We put in work here. And that's true, right? Like the Raptors go in the offseason. They travel together. They go out to Rico Hines in California and they play together. That's not a thing that all organizations do across the board. There's real buy-in from these Raptors. And I think that if you're going to be a part of that group, you're going to be a part of these units. It's going to have to be simply more than you're Stanley Johnson. You got two years instead of the one year. Chris Boucher is 26. Yeah. Rondé Hollis Jefferson is 24. Stanley Johnson yeah. is 23. Yeah. Terrence Davis is 22. It's just funny how we look at prospects in terms of like who has potential and what, because guys were in the G League. Like Boucher's older. Patrick McCaw is 24. So yeah. out of those group of guys, and you could argue, well, Boucher is a big. He's not... A wing. Well, I would argue that if Boucher is going to get consistent minutes on this team, he's going to need to guard the wing uh, and continue to shoot the corner three. Yeah, Boucher is older than all those guys. It's just, yeah, when we talk about potential and you look at Boucher and it's always like, what can he be? What can he become? It's like, well, he's probably closer to a finished product than, you know, maybe we get it credit for. And if we're going to talk about what Ronnie Hollis Jefferson can't do and talk about maybe him adding a ceiling to his game, that playing for a team like the Raptors, that this could be a different maker. Uh but do you think there's another level? I don't think he's going to learn how to shoot, if that's what you're asking me. Rondé? No. But that's my point. Yeah. Whereas if Boucher continues to hit threes and, and eventually, like Siakam, starts to then hit them off the dribble. And then all of a sudden, he's hitting them above the break. You could see him with his ability to protect the rim. And if he just got on a weight program, you could see him taking huge steps the way Pascal did uh, a year ago, the way OG seems to be right now. I don't know if Rondé's taking a huge step. I just look at him and Stanley Johnson and their bodies. Like, if you're talking about weight program, like, that's what I think ideal NBA bodies look like, is what Rondé Hollis Jefferson looks like and what Stanley Johnson look like. But that's entirely the point. Yeah. Is that they have the body, yeah. and this is the production. That's what I mean. Is like, give me that guy, give me the, the Adonis that I can maybe work on his other skill sets and get him to do other things rather than the guy who has some of the skills but not the body. It's a philosophical debate, but like that's kind of where I'm at with it. It's like, I'd rather have the dude who, if I can teach him a certain thing, I know what he can become. He can become a higher ceiling player. We haven't seen a lot of these rotation guys. Like even Terrence Davis, who I think we thought earned his keep and, and or not earned his keep in the way that, you know, the, the rotation players have, but had kind of put his himself in a good position to be that eighth man, that ninth man. He gets usurped immediately by Patrick McCaw, who I think is going to be this team's eight man. And that kind of brings me to like my other early impression, which is Kyle Lowry's off to this really good start. 
Fred Van Vliet is off to a pretty good start. Both these guys are starting together. It's not just a one-game anomaly like we thought maybe it would be after our first podcast. Like It does appear that, at least for now, those two guys are going to be starters moving forward for the vast majority of the Raptors' games. That's both your point guards playing together at the same time. And they've done a good job of staggering them. But I think as Lowry gets a little bit longer in the tooth, and considering Fred Van Vliet's health over the last season, and like the fact that he's already gotten banged up, You'd like to be able to look at the odd night and say, hey, I want to sit you down tonight, Kyle. Like, we want to take a little bit of miles off the tires. We don't want you wearing out as the season goes on. And it's like, do you have a lot of confidence that Pat McCaw can be a point guard? Like someone who runs your offense? Because I haven't seen anything to indicate that that's a thing up to this point. Do I have confidence that Pat McCaw could be a point guard? No. Do I think it matters? No. I just think that this is where we are in the NBA, where the labels of the positions are just so that novices can follow the game and so that you have something to put in the program when you hand it out. Look how many teams now, it's not even a nouveau idea, are playing multiple point guards together. The Warriors are going to play Russell and Curry together. The Rockets are going to play Harden and Westbrook together. The Thunder are going to play Chris Paul and Shea Gilgis Alexander together. It's just the way it is. One of you is going to be off the ball and cutting and trying to find the ball. And the other is going to have to to guard an off wing. But you're not worried at all about just, you know, the implications of what it looks like when one of those guys needs a night off, like how they're going to be able to handle that workload and and manage it properly. Like it actually reminds me a little bit of the, not really the Maple Leafs goaltending situation. But goaltending is very different where only goal to have nights off. Sure but you would acknowledge that only goaltenders can goaltend, right? Like you're not going to say, hey, Austin Matthews, we need you to play goal tonight. Like that, that's not a thing. I mean, I'd like to see it. Well, uh, Might be better than Michael Hutchinson. <laughs> he's, he is a great athlete. Other people can bring the ball up the floor and make an entry pass and then cut, and then we're just in our offense. I don't think it matters. Look at the Lakers. Rondo is announced as a point guard, but LeBron has the ball in his hand. So ultimately it doesn't matter. And so I think as the game continues to evolve and positions become a little bit more fluid, we're not going to say point guard the way we consider it a stakeholder position like pitcher in baseball, quarterback in football, goalie in hockey. It's going to be like, Shooting guards and small forwards. What's the difference? I think that they signed Pat McCaw because they view him more than just, you know, uh, a good omen for winning a championship. Like, I think that they think that there's more there. I think Nurse trusts him, especially defensively. And I think that they think the shot can take another step and that there's something there. Like, Nurse looks at him and sees a piece that can still develop. And yeah, you mentioned his age and the lack of opportunity that he's had throughout his career. So maybe there is something. He still remains to be one of those guys where... I understand the appeal of that player. I just haven't seen exactly what it is that I like. And especially since one of my other early impressions is that this team's going to shoot a lot of threes. Like they're up to almost 40 a game last year. You know, they were top 11 in attempts a game this year. I think they are six to start the season. They're shooting almost 40, like just like a hair under 40 a game. There is a high propensity for this group to just kind of let it fly. And you mentioned how they've gone through these stretches where, they haven't scored. And some of that is that they don't have that individual creator. But some of it is that the downside of that is there are times where the Raptors have just kind of stood and shot. And that's the one thing they need to avoid as a high ceiling team or a higher ceiling team is balls got to move and those looks have to be open. Because if it's just Fred Van Vliet standing there 
And if it's just Kyle Lowry standing there or, or Siakam standing there, I think those percentages dip and that the offense starts to look uglier. Well, I think that's a design of just the internal improvement of the people on the roster. Because it was a real concern. Danny Green leaves, Kawhi Leonard leaves. Those are two three-point shooters that leave. But remember, they only had Marcus Gasol for the last third of the season. He's another center that is willing to shoot the three. I wish he was I think willing. They were more willing, yeah. More. I wish he was willing more to shoot the three. But then when you look at the rotation players, the increased comfort of OG Ananobi to shoot the three and the increased willingness to shoot it and the different types of threes that Pascal Siakam can now shoot where it's not just catch and shoot corner threes. Uh, they're above the break, which is something you want to see from him. And we're starting to see him shoot them off the dribble. I just think there are guys who are more willing and more comfortable to shoot the three in live action games and they're not just turning it down and making the extra pass to get back to the conversation in terms of fear or trepidation about not having another player to run the offense when Kyle needs a night or if Fred is banged up. I think the person who's going to be the other facilitator, if we will, is Pascal Siak Mm -hmm. on those nights. Because if we are going back to the years of the bench mob, he had as much, if not more burden in terms of running the offense in that second unit as Fred Van Vliet did. Or as DeLon Wright did. And in fact, that's why at that time, my comp for him was going to be baby Draymond Green. Because in this similar way, he from the top of the key was able to put it on the floor, but also handle and and pass going left and going right. So I think Pascal will take on more of a leadership role in terms of not only is the Offense running through you for you to get your points. The offense is running through you for you to get other people points. Yeah, I just hope it doesn't end up in a situation where the Raptors hesitate to give Lowry a night off because they don't. Like, he's already a a player. I think it's it's difficult to get him to buy into load management. I think he wants to play every night. And when there's no ready backup and you're selling him on the idea of the Raptors, you know, going to Patrick McCaw, um, I think that's a little bit tougher. Um, Before we take that break, what was going through your mind as Pascal was raining those threes in that Boston game? Like all of a sudden, it's just like, here's a pull up. All of a sudden, here's Pascal Siakam, just like no hesitation shooting threes. Because mine was completely irrational. But I, was, I was thinking, myself, oh my God, they have, they have the new MVP. <laughs> I was like, this, is, this guy's going to be starting in the All-Star game. Someone show Giannis this tape in a year from now. No, I mean, maybe I'm just petty, but I was. And, and they had good games as well. But I was thinking back to probably this time last year when I was saying we were talking about trade chips that the Raptors had and maybe a potential move for a big player, maybe even an Anthony Davis. And everyone said, oh my goodness, Jalen Brown, Jason Tatum, these beautiful, beautiful trade chips. And I kind of said, Pascal Siakam is just as good as those guys. And people thought that was crazy. And I mean, they weren't nearly as hyped. Tatum, you mean? Because most people had Siakam around Brown, no? No, no, no. Man, like, towards the end of last year, people weren't even pronouncing his name properly. I think we forget. Michael Wilbon calls him Siakam. Yeah. Tatum, for sure. But I think we forget. Jalen Brown had some massive playoff series, was mm-hmm. a pick that was high profile. So, no, I, I think people kind of hated on him in relation to both of them. And, and now, I mean, the Brown thing is, is not even a question. And to be honest, I don't think the Tatum thing is a question either. Do you think Siakam definitively over Tatum? 
Well, he's certainly a better defender. And I think there isn't that much different offensively. I need to see more from Pascal, but up to this point, again, I think he's shooting over five threes a game to start the season. He's not afraid to take those shots. To me, as impressive as the run was against Boston, the moment that I said, wow, please let that be a thing, was at the end of the Orlando game. He hit a big shot on a little turnaround two, which is like pretty staple shot for a scorer. Nothing major. He was open. But if he can just add the confidence of being willing to take those shots and make those shots that aren't just kind of the scoops around the layups or the push shots around the, on the, around the basket, I don't know what the ceiling is on that player. So I'm with you. His, his ceiling has certainly changed. Um, and I'm just very, very excited to see the, the next little bit of it. So they went at home on 95 night. Yep. He has a quiet 24-9-3. and three. Quiet. Yep. That's a star. Yep. The only stars have quiet nights like that. Turnovers the, and fouls. Well, I was about to say, the only people who have yet to realize he's a star are the referees. Because he's not getting star calls. He's not getting star whistles. And he's virtually been in some sort of foul trouble midway through every game this year. That's on him to a degree, though. I think he's gotten hit with a couple of guys flopping. But the foul he took in the Orlando game for his fifth, which is an over-the-back call, and the other teams in the bonus, like those are the kind of things where, hey, man, you're now going to be the star of this team. You're the go-to guy on this team. You can't take those cheap fouls anymore. You can't take those reckless fouls because they need you on the floor more than they've ever needed you before. I didn't think the over-the-back one was that bad. I think so? Okay. There were two guys in the paint, and he jumped higher. He just happened to be behind them. Yeah, but he was. That's a foul. Like, you don't deserve it. It was a foul. But it's not like he climbed his back to get the ball. Yeah. Well, I mean, he's Pascal Siakam. Kyle Lowry started red hot. I think it's a little underappreciated that he didn't really have a training camp. He played in one preseason game and he's started shooting over 40% from three. He was obviously one of the top five Raptors as ranked by you. I think who has votes. I don't know. I don't know how low or how high your Kyle Lowry pettiness has, uh, as would reach to, to knock him out of the top five. You're like Jose Calderon never got an opportunity. Uh, he, he was ranked second on my list. He was ranked second. Okay. So I want to hear your ranks. We'll talk a little bit about Sportsnet piece, but before we do that, NBA newsletter, Sportsnet's NBA newsletter. Go to sportsnet.ca. You want original NBA content. As you said last time, it's a nice, clean way to get all your news, get some opinion, and get it fast. And sportsnet.ca backslash newsletters. You go there, you subscribe, you get it done, and you get all your news from Stevie Lung and a bunch of other people from around the NBA. So Raptors top 25. Again, it's up on sportsnet.ca. Go find it right now. It's, It's under the big reads category. Good artwork. I always love the artwork that they put together here for sportsnet.ca. Here's my take. The top five is pretty unassailable. However you rank them, I'm not, not going to really fight you on it unless you try to put Bosch anywhere higher than five. Some people are mad Tracy McGrady's not in there. See, to me, I find that ridiculous. Like, Tracy McGrady didn't play here long enough. So you voted in the piece. Do you recall your categories that you needed to, to outline this under? Okay, so this is from editor Craig Battle. Here's the criteria. Number one, individual play as a member of the Raptors. Number two, impact on the franchise. So, you know, we took into consideration things like playoff win shares, regular season win shares, obviously the the length of time with the team. But that was the criteria given to the panel. One, individual play as a member of the Raptors. Two, impact on the franchise. So does that change things for you? Having heard that? No. Here's how I would rank it. I would rank it Kyle Lowry 1, Kawhi Leonard 2, Vince Carter 3, 
DeMar DeRozan four, and Chris Bosh five. So basically what the list is. Is that exactly what it is? I'm, yeah, I'm pretty sure that's the top five. Yeah, I think it's that. Then they got the right order. But just to me, after that, it's kind of inconsequential in terms of who's there because- Well, who's your sixth? Well- Let's get crazy. I think they had Jose Calderon as six, and I think that's a fair one. I, to me, it was more about like who was left off of the list. Like I was pretty- uh, Try and make the list. By the by, the end, you're struggling to come up with names. Well, no, see, that's the thing. I think you guys left off a couple notable admissions. Well, I mean, you, you don't know who my 25 is, so you well, don't know who did I Did you like have that. Keon Clark in your top 25? Hell no. See, that to me is wild. Keon Clark is certainly... Like real ones, no. Real ones, know who are listening to this right no, now. He's a he's a fun guy to watch. No man, but he wasn't the one of the twenty five best Raptors, dude. I can give you my list, and you tell me yeah, who, yeah, yeah. who I should take off for sure. Keon yeah. Clark. Yeah, should we go twenty five to one or one to twenty five? No, just uh, we already have the top five. I had Kawhi one on my list, and Kyle too. Kawhi is the correct answer at one. Number six, Jonas. Number seven, Pascal. Number eight. Serge Ibaka. Number nine, Damon Stoudemire. Number 10, Jose Calderon. Number 11, Alvin Boogie Williams. Number 12, Fred Van Vliet. Number 13, Tracy McGrady. Number 14, Antonio Davis. Number 15, Jalen Rose. 16, Del Curry. 17, Doug Christie. 18, Charles Oakley. 19, Anthony Parker. 20, Bismarck Biombo. 21, Patrick Patterson. 22, Morris Peterson. 23, Amir Johnson. 24, Corey Joseph. 25, Mike James. Okay. So who are you taking off for Keon Clark? Well, Mike James immediately. Mike James, <laughs> it's like dead last, like no question. Mike, Mike James put no, up I, numbers, yeah, exactly, and put up numbers, and on a bad team was the only reason to watch. No, that's no, that's why you definitely take off Mike James. Is he was Mike James is like the case study people use for bad players on bad teams putting up good stats. But he put up good stats. Keon Clark gave us some good moments and wore Nike shocks. But other than that, what's the what Keon Clark moment that you liked? Well, it, it was just a. Crazy that a guy with no muscle in any part of his legs got up that high. But other than that, why are we putting Keon Clark on the list? I think Keon Clark was like a real complete player, and they had a run where... He was what? He was a complete player. He could do a bit of everything. He could jump. Yeah, he could He could rebound, he could block, he could get some both, buckets. Both he wasn't here long enough, though. He didn't have impact. You when you can jump. I just, I do remember Keon Clark. You like he was doing behind-the-back passes. I think that, one, it's super disrespectful how low you have Mo Pete. Like... Can you name me the three names in front of Mo Pete again? Patrick Patterson. Yeah. Bismarck Biombo. Yeah, that's rude. Bismarck Biombo ahead of Mo Pete. Come on, bro. Come on. I love Bismarck. Like, Bismarck is one of my all-time favorite personal Raptors that Bismack I like. Bismarck went 20 and 20 in the yep. playoffs. Yep, he had an awesome moment. In the moment. playoffs. Listen, I, Are you going to so, discount Mo Pete being, having like all the like Raptors longevity records? Yeah, I guess. <laughs> he was on no. the team for a long time. Yeah, I guess. Great. Your headband got knocked in front of your eyes. He made the basket. Congratulations. Yes. <laughs> Man, well, Pete, the it, disrespect see, is so I, real. See, I value yeah. playoff performance. Yeah, I know. I mean, the list is very clear with that. That's what mattered to me. Not regular season long jam. Um, So, say to me again was... And I also, I don't have Camby on my list either. I don't think you should have Camby. I think that that's a fair guy to leave off. I think Danielle Marshall has a case that he was left off of this thing, 25. Danielle Marshall has like I'll a real moment. Like I'll he held a record that stood for a really, really long time. And he put up some really productive seasons as a Raptor. He's one of the original stretch fours. He's kind of one of the forgotten guys in this franchise. Who else was left off that I wrote down that was like, oh, Andrea Bargnani. 
Oh, come on, man. Andrea Bargnani, though, come like, you don't tell me he's me? one of the top 25. You want to put Ruggio on the list, too? No. Andrea, Andrea Bargnani. Bar- what? I just thought it was, like, at least a conversation. People would tweet, where's Andrea Bargnani on the list, as a yeah. joke. <laughs> okay. I'm just saying, hold on. Let me pull up the list and see who I, is 25 again. If we have a list of the 25 worst Raptors, we should do that for the end of the season. 25 worst Raptors. And I, I'm telling you right now, he might okay. be number one. Okay. Let me just say this. Danny Green is number 20. And... That's not right. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Danny Green being number he 20. Be higher? No, he should not be on the list. Oh, he's not. I mean, he's not on my yeah, list. I know he's but not, yeah, but he's okay. number. I'm saying I'm going off the sports net. Got okay. yeah, Danny Green at 20 is a travesty. Like Danny Green. Recency bias. Listen, if you're just going to put everyone on the title team on there who had a moment like Norm Powell should be on this list. If Danny Green's be on this list. Don't forget that Norm Powell gave the Raptors their first moment against the Milwaukee Bucks, where everyone thought the series was over. Norm Powell went out there and got buckets and like. Let's be real. If I want to talk about who had more significant moments in the postseason on the Raptors run, like Danny Green, all right, you played some defense. Your most memorable thing is that you got benched in second halves for Fred Van Vliet, that you almost had a turnover that cost the Raptors an NBA championship, that you had multiple games where you could not hit a three and the Raptors ghosts of seasons past that would like knock a guy like Patrick Patterson further down this list. You were also a criminal offender of. So number one for me is Danny Green absolutely should not be on this list. Number two is... Yeah, Tracy McGrady at 11. People being upset that that's whatever, is that's too high. Jerome 11 Williams. 11 is too high? Yeah, 11 is too high. I mean, I had him at 13, which is yeah, not much tra- of a difference. Yeah, you know what, though? That's kind of a more fair rating. Like, Tracy McGrady wasn't a Raptor, everyone. He's an Orlando Magic, and he's a Houston Rocket more than he's a Raptor. He's not one of the greatest 25 Raptors of all time. He didn't even, he had one halfway decent season here. Like, that's his entire career. He had no impact of real significance. Antonio Davis was ahead of him at nine. Pascal Siakam, 10, feels like. That's the right area for him to be. He'll probably finish higher. Fred Van Vliet was a little high, 14. Like, I guess championship moments count for he the most. He won the right. biggest threes in the you're history. Right, you're right. You know what? I, I regret saying that. I take it back. Danny Green is my number one off the list. Marcus Saul, 21 as well. So again, did these two guys just get 20 and 21? Like, Marcus Saul was a deadline acquisition. And again, long stretch, he played well against Joel Embiid defensively. I'll give him that. But there were a lot of stretches of the playoffs where people were calling for Marcus Gasol to get benched against the Milwaukee Bucks. Did not have a great finals. I'm just saying that 21 feels a little high for like the history of a franchise. He was not on my list. Apparently Vucevic had a vote and that's how Gasol got so Okay. High. I've already given you my guys. I think, again, TJ Ford, 25, fine. I won't nitpick with guys who are 25. TJ Ford, what's your TJ Ford memory? <laughs> like Him hurting his Yeah, back. him being hurt. That's TJ, to everybody's TJ Ford memory. The, so... The real issue, though, and the real debate is who's won. There's two. Well, there's actually three camps. I was going to say there's two camps, but there's three. There's the Lowry camp. There's the Vince camp. There's the Vince camp. And then there's the Kawhi here's, camp. Here's my counter against the Vince camp now. Vince camp has no leg to stand on because Kawhi has certainly had more of an impact than Vince at this point. Well, I'm not part of the Vince camp, but the Vince camp would say that this franchise might not even be here. No, that's and that's if, fair. If it weren't for Vince. That's fair. I mean, like the impact of basketball across the country, I just think that one of the most fascinating points of this Raptors run to me is what is Canada basketball going to look like if we agree? Like I'm not diminishing the Carter effect. I just think that we underappreciate Steve Nash's part in those in the growth in this country and like in having an NHL lockout season him win an MVP. Yeah, but how many of those games were on TV in Canada? Like Mitchell Ness, their highest Selling throwback is the Raptors Vince Carter. People in Canada are walking around with Steve Nash jerseys. Even in the States? Yeah, it is. Oh, okay. 
Did you not watch the Carter effect? There was like a whole scene. Uh, to be honest, I did watch the Carter effect, but I was kind of in and out of it. I had it on as a background thing. I wasn't super into it. Here's the thing. I, if I can put hand up and just admit the truth, I am a bit of a still Vince Carter hater. And also um, I think that it's gotten to the point now where we've gone too far in terms of appreciating Vince Carter and scrubbing the past of the bad. But um, yeah, I'm in, I'm in team like the greatest player. If we're talking about like, who is actually the best player ever is Kawhi. Like, duh, it's clearly Kawhi Leonard. He was obviously the finals MVP. The most like long, if you give tenure anything and like meaning to the franchise and the guy who I think like represents the fans the best way, it's Kyle Lowry. He's had the longevity. He's put together the numbers. He's been consistently great with this franchise. He's won a championship. He came out in game six. He's put the stamp on it. He's had multiple playoff runs that we have to remember the other ones like, you know, game seven against Miami where Kyle Lowry went out there and just balled and won the Raptors a, a game seven playoff game. Like those things count to me having more than one season. I think to be a one and done is tough. And so it would be Lowry one for me. Then it would be Kawhi. And like, that's how big Kawhi's impact is. And then it would be Vince. So I think that one supersedes the other 23 Years of it's such franchise. a weird franchise, though, that we even do this in terms of this way, like the way that it's put into these different pockets. Like Dallas Mavericks fans are like, it's Dirk, you know, like there's no but, other thing. But there's no but there's there was no debate. D Dirk has both. He gave them their moment and he yeah. has the long. No, I know. I'm just saying that the Raptors are very unique in that they have a ring and they have a finals MVP, but he's only one year guy. Versus, you know what I mean? Like if Kawhi re-signs and he plays even one more game, it's like, yeah, you're the greatest of all time. The second he steps on the floor, there's no debate about it anymore. Like he's just the greatest Raptor of all time. He going up in the Raptors first, all those different things. He left and it, it complicates things. Can I ask you who your Raptor that you have high on that list that you acknowledge like you're a journalist? You are Donovan Bennett, accomplished journalist, someone who, you know, Sportsnet proudly employs as an unbiased observer of all things. Admit to us in private, admit to the associates who the person is on the list that's a little too high, but you just, you hold a special place for them and you just enjoyed their game a little bit more. And so that's why they're a little bit too high up the list. I mean, I don't know if it has anything to do with me holding a special place. I will say this. I have Jalen Rose at 15. When you actually look at his numbers and he wasn't actually here that long. It's hard to make a case. Yeah, he gave up 81 to Kobe. He was part of the team that gave up 81 to Kobe. But in my write-up for Jalen Rose, I did say that unlike most of the American players who left the franchise and then trashed it on the way out, or continue to trash it in the case of some, Tracy McGrady, Jalen Rose has only said glowing positive things about his time as a Raptor. In fact, he has done more work as an ambassador for the franchise since he has left than when he was here. And so that is part of the contribution where I had Jalen Rose maybe higher than his play. Uh, but I do think he is a fond uh, member of the Raptors alumni. You mentioned six is where the list gets real because the first five are pretty much in some order understood. I have Jonas Valanciunas at six. That's way too high. I know you love JV. You're Mr. Longevity. Uh, I know. I'm just saying you can't have it both ways, though. You got to either what? be. No, he has he has playoff moments and he has longevity. What's it, JV's playoff moment? It was like game one against the Pacers when he was dominant and then they lost that game. Well, his playoff numbers were always better than his regular season numbers. But my point is year after year after year, he was a constant on a team that went to the playoffs. Like Kyle, like DeMar, 
JV was that other guy for that entire We the North era run, a starter on those teams. So I, mean, the I value year they that. won the championship is the year they traded him away and upgraded at the center to get somebody who did the thing that he can't do, which is play defense. True, he can defensive rebound. True, but I mean, Demar's in the to- <laughs> Demar's in the, the top four, and You're he was such a JV was, Hive guy. You're like he can defensive rebound. You wouldn't even let it go. You wouldn't even give me that he doesn't play but wait, defense. Wait, wait, but, okay, yeah. but then are we taking Demar out of the top four? No, because he actually was traded for the guy who won in the championship. Yeah, Marcus All was like nice icing on the cake. It was because of Kawhi. Here's the thing: I'm not even going to quibble with it that much because uh, one, I brought up Andrea Bargnani as a potential top 25 guy. And two is that, yeah, I just, after five, I just, it, it's whatever. My, my irrational guy is Lou Williams. After looking at the list, though, someone who I think could be higher, Stamen Stoudemire. When we're talking about impact, he was the first star that people really, really fell in love yep. with. I, Went against the Bulls. I took away points because of the way that Vince left and the way that Damon left. But I, but I think you can make an argument that Damon Stoudemire should be just behind that top five in terms of a Mount Rushmore guy. I think Lou Williams is actually properly ranked in this article. I see. I don't even He's have 23. Him. I don't even have him in my top. Five. He's 23. And uh, I think that's fair to have him in there. Here's the thing. I adore Lou Williams's game. Like Lou Williams is everything that I would ever want to be as a ball player, which is like someone who gives you buckets and then plays no defense, but does it in a like real beautiful way has like signature scoring ability. Lou Williams came up here, had two girlfriends, wouldn't talk about it, one sixth man, and got Drake to write a song about him. Like, Drake did the championship edition of the Raptors winning a title, and he didn't put as much effort into those songs involving the Raptors as he did Lou Williams' song. I mean, like, the songs weren't even involving the That's Raptors. what I mean. It was like, we were like, here's the championship edition. There's nothing about the Raptors in here. He's rapped more about Kevin Durant than he's rapped about the, the 2019 Raptors championship team. I'll always hold a special place for Lou Williams. I think people kind of forget how fun it was late in clocks, late at the end of games when the Raptors needed a bucket, give it to Lou Will and let him go get it. And I think he was a victim of the Raptors didn't play defense and they needed to do an overhaul and he kind of got shuffled away. And listen, no shots at Masai. But if we're really going to say like, what were Masai Ujiri's mistakes over his career? I would say letting Lou Williams walk for essentially nothing from that team because of the embarrassing loss to the Wizards is fairly high on the list. Well, First of all, he didn't sign for any money. How he didn't many get a big contract? How many people had Lou Williams jerseys? Like he was Lots. a fun player. No, they dude, didn't. The, that year the Raptors had a purple throwback year. That was a Raptors throwback season, and tons of people had the Lou Williams twenty three Raptors dinosaur uniform. Please tweet in to either of us if you had a Lou Williams jersey because I've never seen one. I saw Corey Joseph jerseys. I still do. Yep. I didn't see a, a he Lou was the Williams six. jersey. He, but I see more of the Corey Joseph gold. True, but whatever the color, people paid for it at Real Sports. Was Lou Williams a victim of the circumstance? Yes. But Lou Williams was no longer on this roster, more so as Masai Ujiri sending a message to Dwayne Casey saying, no excuses. You are saying this team can't defend because Lou Williams can't defend, even though you continue to put him on the floor when you need a bucket at the end of the second half? You clearly can't discipline yourself and not use this toy and then complain about the fact that it doesn't defend. So I'm taking the toy away. Have you seen uh, Kawhi's reactions to Lou Will's defense early to start the season? I have not. Does Kawhi react to anything? Yeah, he has. He's slammed a basketball in a game in uh, utter up being upset with Lou Williams, just completely not tracking his man on a, a cut to the basket for a layup. Yeah. So I just think if you win an award, 
you won the six man award. That's that's worth something to the franchise. And that season was really, really fun. And the Raptors had high hopes, but it just it flamed out. And we kind of forget how great it was to have Lou Williams that season. But if we list the top coaches, Sam Mitchell won an award. Yeah. And that's why if you rank the top five coaches in Raptors history, Sam Mitchell would be there. In fact, you'd probably have him as three. In fact, you definitely would have him as three. Um, we got to take a break. We got to go. Um, I need to ask you about the Warriors before we leave, but I need to tell you about SN now, which is, listen, you can stream anything. We have all the things here at Sportsnet. I've said it to you so many times. Go to snnow.ca, snnow.ca for more details. Get World Series right now, Stanley Cup playoffs, you name it, you can get it. It's all right there. Go to SNNow. You will not regret that purchase. And also, uh, NBA chat room, you and Faisal Kamisa. You got a fancy commercial. Uh, Before the Raptors it's a, game, sir. It's an intro, yeah. Promo, yeah. Yeah, a little promo. Yes, yeah, Steph uh, and uh, and Mike killed it. It had little to do with us. Oh, we you darn! Oh, that's very that's very great. And remembering the cast and crew who did the things. Amo and Mike, I prefer to do this show, but uh, Mike works on both shows. So, well, I mean, which one do you like more, Mike? Exactly. <laughs> Taking a break from working on that show to do this. Right um, now. Okay, so before we go, I just need to ask you. You predicted in the, uh, and predictions pieces are whatever, and they're mostly fun. But like, listen, you love the Warriors. You love the Warriors so much. I think you left town during the Raptors finals run so that you could avoid being here as your beloved Warriors lost to the villainous Toronto Raptors, right? A, or I was on a bachelor trip slash but, wedding. But yeah, yeah, you do love, uh, you do love Steph Curry. You are a Warriors guy. You stay up late. You watch the team. And I think in your predictions piece, you had them in the finals. I did. And I, one is, would you like to recant that pick? You can start from scratch. Like right now, Donovan Bennett, would you like the opportunity to scratch that from the record and we never bring it up again and we give you a new team to pick for the finals from the West? Do I think they're going to make the finals now? No. I will say this. I made that pick when the timeline of Clay Thompson coming back was around just after the All-Star break. Not when Steve Kerr said, He's probably not coming back this year, which would have drastically changed. Okay, things. that's fair. So, yes, they have struggled. <laughs> that's it. Dude, um, starting Jordan Poole and Glenn Robinson the third is not good for trying to be a team with title contention. And then you look down their bench and it's like, who, 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 what, what, huh? Okay, let me ask you this now. Do you think the Warriors are going to make the playoffs this year? I do think they're going to make the playoffs. What seed? Um, I think they seven, six. Okay. I don't see it. I think that Charles Barkley, when he kind of roasted Clay Thompson on the set of the NBA TNT show, that he was right. And I thought that they would be able to overcome those two. And I'm sure there'll be some growing pains. But they won their first game of the year against the Pelicans last night. And they won it by scoring, I think, 134 points. And my question for the Warriors is like, how many nights can you score 130 with that group? Because you're not going to be able to get enough stops because you don't have anyone who can play defense other than Draymond Green. Their defense has been atrocious. Offenses playing them have been better than the best offense in the NBA. So even if they, to your point, are really good and set records in terms of their own offense, they'll still lose more than 50% of their game. Did you see the rim stat of what they're giving up at the rim? I did not. They're giving up 84% at the rim. Not, not good. No. But, but <laughs> not good. But they don't have a NBA caliber starting center. I was going to say they don't have an NBA caliber player other than the three guys that are all-stars. Uh, 
I mean, that's a, a stretch. Where do, where do you think Jordan Poole fits into the Raptors rotation? Like he's not on a team. Well, I mean, he was drafted in the first round, so it's not it's, it's not like he's an undrafted free agent yeah, that's I, on a two way right. deal. I don't look at their guys like I'm looking at. Like I had their box score up. I kind of clo- I closed it because it was so ugly that I, I couldn't look at it any longer. It was so viciously horrible. But, but your Willie Cauley Stein is an NBA player. He is hurt. Alec Burks is an NBA rotation player. He is hurt. Kavon Looney is an NBA rotation player. He is hurt. And Clay Thompson don't is pin, an All Star. Pin your season on Willie Cauley Stein minutes coming back. That's not good. That's a bad. That's a bad sign. I just will trill. I just think that there's a couple things here. Two is that the two teams in their division that are at the very top are 100% going to finish above them, right? Do you think Phoenix is at all for real? Have you seen any Phoenix? I think they take a step, but I also think they don't have arguably their second best player for a quarter of the season. I think Denver is for real. I think Dallas is a little bit better than we thought. I think Houston is obviously going to make it. I think the Thunder might even, like, are the Warriors better than the Thunder? Well, they lost to the. I badly. know, but do you think that at the course at the end of the season, I don't think Chris Paul's gonna be on the team at the end of the season. Okay. So, listen, Sacramento was a team that people thought was gonna push for that last playoff spot. Do not look good. The Pelicans, yep, do not look good. Yeah, and they'll get Zion. Hopefully, yeah. but for how long? You're right. I think the West is certainly good and deep, but I don't. When you look at the teams that are going to be fighting for that six, seven, eight spot. Mm-hmm. You think New, the Orioles will be in the mix? New Orleans, Sacramento, Minnesota. That, that don't impress me. Much. I just, the way I'm looking at the Western Conference right now, and I, I know we got to run. Who's the worst team to you in the Western Conference? Like from what you've seen or what you think right now, like just don't even say from what you've seen, like what you just believe, because I just think here's, here's my only point. I don't think you would get a consensus on that. Like, I don't think there's a horrible team in the Western Conference. Like, right now, the Kings are, like, they haven't won a game in neither of the Pelicans, right? But I don't think that those teams are tire fires. Like, I think that Zion comes back, that the Kings kind of normalize, that they're tough outs every night. Like, you know, in the Eastern Conference, you can look at teams and be like, okay, well, like, that's a layup. We got the Wizards in town. Like, we're going to beat the Wizards on just about every single night. The West is just tough. It's just so unbelievably tough that I don't know how the Warriors are going to be able to string together, you know, 48, 49 wins. How many teams in the history of the NBA had three All-Stars and didn't make the playoffs? I mean, they might be the first. But think about how tough that is. Yeah. I don't know. We'll have to see if Draymond Green is still an All-Star. I don't think he will be. Point is that not that long ago, three of the top 24 players in the league or on one team. That's why they had high expectations, and that's why the LeBron stands are going to be looking at the Curry stands and saying, ain't so great, is it? Well, I think who we're really going to be looking at are the Steve Kerr stands and saying, okay, you piggybacked off of Mark Jackson did, and yeah, you, you pulled the Phil Jackson oh, and coached a really good team and got the most out of them, but let's see you do some Greg Popovich and take some spare parts and change your style to fit your team, and let's see how interesting your ethos of playing with spirit and joy and ball movement are. So I, I think it's going to be very interesting, which is why I think Steve Kerr already actively saying, well, there's going to be some nights like this. He's bringing down the expectations real fast. We got to run. You get to carry your heavy, heavy bag out of here. I'm hoping that there's like a car service that's picking you up and that you don't have to go very far with that. Thanks to Amal. Thanks to Mike for editing. Thanks to all of you for listening. This is Free Association. Leave a review, subscribe, share it on Twitter, do all those nice things. Uh, we'll catch you next week. And Sam Mitchell's not top three. Who's that? Butch and Lenny.
watching Lenny. Good night. <laughs>